Lacrosse All-Stars presents In Your Face LaxCast. Unfiltered opinions on the most controversial topics in the game of lacrosse. I'm Ryan Danahy, former Division I college and pro player and Division I college coach, currently living and coaching in the city of Philadelphia. I'm joined with my co-host, Andy Towers, the legend, former Division I college head coach, MLL All-Star, three-time All-American, and arguably the best to ever play the midfield position. Each show, we dive into the world of lacrosse from high school, college, to pro, as well as bring on special guests. You can subscribe to us via iTunes and check us out on Twitter at InYourFaceLax for more information. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. In Your Face is going all in on the Yale Brown tilt this weekend. And on with us right now is Andy Shea, head coach of the undefeated Yale University Bulldogs. Andy, in his first 13 seasons, has compiled a 116-73 overall record going into this weekend's game. More importantly, however, over the last seven seasons, the Bulldogs have gone 71-28 and with five 10-win seasons. I'm assuming this year uh, will be just the same. But during that time, he's directed the Bulldogs to six straight Ivy League tournament appearances, three Ivy tournament titles, a 2010 regular season Ivy League championship, and three NCAA appearances, including Yale's first in 20 years. While I hate Yale, we couldn't be happier to have Andy Shea <laughs> on the today. So thanks so much, Andy, for joining us. I really appreciate it, man. No problem. Appreciate you guys having me on. So, first off, huge game this weekend. Uh, you just finished up with your Wednesday night practice. What's the mentality of the team right now? How are they handling uh, being undefeated going into the tilt this weekend? Um, you know, I, I don't think we've um, – I don't think the guys have really focused too much on being undefeated. I, you know, I give them a lot of credit. I think that they've done a really good job just kind of compartmentalizing the next game. Um, you know, and that, of course, is Brown now. Um, it's a game that, that, you know, our guys love. I think they love this game as well. It's a big rivalry. Um, you know, and there's a lot on the line this year. It's going to be an absolute war, um, you know, up there in Providence. So I think our guys are really excited about playing this, this one game right in front of them. So Brown, obviously you, you have the scout, you know, them better than we do. You know, certainly we're fans. Uh, this is your life. Uh, but Brown has a great goal. They've got a great face-off unit, and they have a great attack. What's the scariest right. of those three components for you and the squad going into the game? Um, you know, I, I I don't think I can pick one at this point. If there's another one that you'd list there, it's their long poles and their transition game. And, and so I think all those things combined, you know, when they wanted to play this style last year, um, I don't think they expected, you know, Garal to have the year that he had, and now he's having a year even better than that. And Jack right. Kelly's having a year even better than that. So it just enables them to do what they want to do at such a high level. Um, and I think you're seeing that in some of these scores. They're just they're just explosive. And it's it's uh you know, it's nerve wracking getting ready for these guys because you don't see anything like it uh the whole year and now you're in it you're 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 playing it, you know, you, you have the first few minutes of the game to kind of adjust to the speed. Um and it's not easy to do. Uh we we you try you try and re- replicate it in practice and you're just not like those guys, you know. You're just not. It's just, it's, we don't. We don't have an attackman like him, you know. Or the the goalies, uh, you know, he's the best goalie in the country right now. And I, I agree. Uh, 
You know what I mean? It's just, it just, it's just really hard to replicate. So uh, the poles in the middle of the field, they just, they, they have such a chemistry with one another, you know, it's, and you try and have your scout team play like them. And then after five minutes, you're like, well, we can't do this. So let's just move on. <laughs> you, know? So. you know, Andy, Andy, Artie and I were talking a little bit before you got on here and we were kind of looking at this game and, you know, obviously as fans of the game, and I think I speak for, you know, everybody who's a fan of the Ivy League and, and looking forward to this contest on Saturday. You know, the obvious matchup we're looking at is Michael Quinn, first-team All-American defenseman. You know, I know Matt Landis gets gets reported as the best defenseman. I'm, I'm not so sure that Michael Quinn isn't the best defenseman in the country. Uh, right. You know, and, and you got Dylan Malloy on the other end, who I personally think is, you know, the national player of the year. And the reason I say that is to go from leading the country and scoring goals one year to the very next year leading the country and assists. I don't think there's ever been a player to ever do that ever in the history of Division One lacrosse. But you look at that matchup and it's key. And we're sort of looking at this and we're going, okay, you know, it's Yale's defense versus Brown's offense. You know, you've got, you know, the face-off groups and you've got the, the you know, the goal-tending matchups. Um, you know, but you're looking at all of the aspects of each team. And I think that, you know, even though Brown's offense is very prolific and they've had, you know, let's face it, in terms of winning percentage, the most success as a face-off group with a goalie that's obviously, in your words, you know, is playing like a first-team All-American, and I agree with you there, I still would look at this and say, you know what, of all of the units across each team, you have to say that Yale's defense is the best of all of those units and the most proven simply based on what you guys have been able to do over the past few years, but also this year. You know, it's funny. I, I was talking to a reporter earlier today about this, and, and, and I think that for us, I think as coaches, we constantly look at our imperfections. You know, and every time we go into a game, really no matter who it is, it's like, okay, these guys are better than us at this. And, and you know, so I, I look at all those things we do. I think we have an incredible defense, and I think we have a very good offense. I think people give us, you know. I agree. People, people think we slow the ball down. We, you know, we're having 12 and a half points a game or whatever. So we don't, right. we don't actually we – don't, we don't hold the ball – um, by any means, but we're not like we're not like Brown. At the same time, you know, we've been built on defense the last few years, and, and I have a, I have an incredible staff that's done an incredible job there. Andrew Baxter, our defensive coordinator, and, and Ryan Foley before him, and Andrew Simmel certainly uh, helped out when he was here before he was Marquette. He's doing an incredible job there. So, so you know, that's kind of what we what we do, and and everybody on our staff has a defensive you know mindset. I play defense, Graham. Steamy played defense. Jack Runkle played goalie. You know, so that's not by design. We're just trying to get the best guys, but it's, it's a luxury to have when you're, you know, we look at it from a different angle, um, and it's amazing to see how we can attack it from a different angle. We're, you know, we're talking about it, a certain defensive set. You know, backs might say, "Hey, I need, I need help with this." You know, you know, Nimi might take the D guys and work on some things, and and simply because we can. Somebody else might work with the offensive guys, so like backs does finishing with the offensive guys. So really, that, that that has certainly helped our overall success. But I think defensively, it's it's gone a long way. Just, you know, more specifically, uh, Andy, making sort of a transition uh, into sort of more general questioning. You know, clearly, as somebody that took over the program, you know, uh, had a first couple, uh, first few years at Yale had you know difficulties, you know, in terms of wins and losses but clearly has established itself and you 
you know, yourself as exactly how you, how you get it done in terms of building a program, you know, what advice would you give to new coaches as it relates to, you know, changing slash building a winning culture in a program that, you know, a new coach takes over? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, we really wanted to get as many tough kids as we could. And we wanted to make sure that we didn't sacrifice on that, that we didn't take talent over toughness, you know, or, you know, and toughness is a very broad term, but kids who care, kids who are, are you know, lacrosse rats, kids who are stick rats, kids who just constantly want to play, kids who want to get a ground ball. Um, you know, those are the types of people that we wanted in our program. And I felt personally that some of the teams that when I was at UMass, some of the teams that we played that were the toughest teams were Yale teams. And I felt mm-hmm. like that, that was, we could attract that type of kid because they had certainly done that in the past. And, you know, sometimes we, we sacrificed that. And then, you know, one year we decided that it wasn't negotiable, that we had to make sure that every kid that we had was completely committed kind of to what we were doing. And once we did that, uh, that, and we ended up getting a few more admission spots for, for a long time. We were, we were a little restricted. Um, but you had to earn but, that. You had to earn that. You had to win with less. And I said it to you when I was at Dartmouth and you were at Yale. You know, I remember distinctly talking to you up in Hanover before the game saying, you know what, I think you have, you know, arguably the hardest job in the league given, right. you know, the super, super high admission standards. Do you remember that? Do you remember that conversation? I absolutely, absolutely remember that. I absolutely remember that. And, and, and um, it makes what you've been able to do so much greater than taking over a program that may be able to make more concessions in admissions and may have, you know, more flagrant things to sell, you know, but you have clearly climbed that mountain and, and, and have done so at a place that, again, I'll reiterate it again, even with the success that you've had, I just feel it's perhaps the hardest place to build a a program, and yet you've built the best program in the league, undeniably, over the last, you know, six years. Well, I appreciate you that. Know. I appreciate that. I think that's well, I think you it's know, true. It's a uh, it's a lot of people's efforts have contributed to kind of where we're at. And like I thought, I mentioned my staff, but my athletic director, I, you know, I had to appeal to him that, you know, the number of kids that we were getting wasn't enough. And, you know, he took a leap of faith. He believed me. And once we got a few more guys, you know, we didn't, you know, there were years where we, if we suffered a knee injury, I mean, we knew it was going to be a long season because our depth wasn't going to be there. And, you know, credit to those kids that were on those teams. Sometimes it didn't work out for them, but they fought to the end for sure. So, but, you know, it, we, we got, we got up to 10 guys. Freshman class in 2010 was our first class of 10, and that was the first year we won the league. Wow. That was the number that we thought, and it ended up being, ended up being right. We, we bet we've had, that, that was seven years ago. So. Prior to that, it was we were getting like seven a year. So along along that line, Andy, you know, obviously you've, you know, in addition to the number of recruits that you've been able to support in the admissions office, uh, you know, you mentioned that toughness is a characteristic that, you know, you guys put a heavy, heavy emphasis, a non-negotiable emphasis on in the recruiting process. Right. You know, a, 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 along with recruiting, I think people can argue that Yale does a better job at developing talent after they get there than perhaps anybody out there, you know, which is obviously, uh, you know, a very marketable attribute in the recruiting process to the best kids in the country and certainly a great reflection on the strength of you and your staff. 
you know, outside of toughness, what other attributes do you specifically look for when you're evaluating prospects for your upcoming recruiting classes so that you feel confidently that after they get to Yale, you will be able to develop each kid and help him reach and hopefully exceed his potential within the framework of your respective schemes? Well, that's very flattering. Thank you. I, I think that we, you know, really, rather than a, a characteristic beyond that, because as we did, I mentioned it, you know, it's, it's a very broad term. We make sure that recruits watch a practice and then interact with our guys. The reason why we do that, it's twofold. For one, we want, we want the kid to be able to evaluate our practice and then the coaches without the coaches having any access to that information. In other yeah. words, when a kid comes in, we have him watch practice, then he goes off with our guys and they get a bite deep together or whatever. And that's his, that's his opportunity to ask questions about the program that he wouldn't feel comfortable asking me. And right. the reason why we do that is because we want to make sure that they understand that when they come here, they might get yelled at. They might get yelled at every day. You know what I mean? And, and that's just the way it goes. But if, if, that's, if they don't feel comfortable with that, they need to see that and realize that this is the way it is. And once, once they, if they see it, you know, kind of full frontal, then they go to maybe go hang out with the kid for a few minutes afterwards. They'll say, hey, tell me what happened here. You know, that's their opportunity to say, you know, what we say it all the time is, you know, we work at this university. We don't live here. We don't study here. We don't eat here. We don't socialize here. We don't play lacrosse here. We don't do any of the things that, are re- that should be important to you. And you need to find out, you know, what that's like from someone who's close to your age. You know what I mean? Not from somebody who, you know, grew up in the 80s. It doesn't, I shouldn't have any very, you know what I mean? You, mean you, can't ask them, Andy, you can't ask them, Andy, if they have basic cable and a rotary phone yet? That's right. 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 <laughs> uh, that's that's you never seen an jacket. You know? So it, it, <laughs> but, but so... A lot of times those kids will, you know, like tell me, listen, you want to ask the kid, what do you, what do you think of the coach? Because you, that's your best time to find out. You look at me right now, I'm a salesman. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be smiling, telling you the, the good things about this program. You know, right. you, you're really going to want to find out. You want to peel back the layers and say, okay, is this guy a good coach? Is, does, he, does he care about me? Is he crazy? Is he, does he have any idea what he's doing? Um, what, what was your experience like? What did you, when you went through this process, did everything he tell you come true? You know, and, right. and that becomes, you know, a pretty big selling point at the end of it because what happens is they find out that they might find out that they're a lot like that kid that they're, that they're talking to by virtue of asking and the questions and getting answers. And they, so, they might so, not know, you know, that's, that's what, that something was important to them until they talked to a kid that, you know, says, well, I, you know, I was concerned about this and this is how it worked out for me. And the kid might be like, you know what? I never thought of that. It's kind of how we operate. And we've been, we've been, been successful. We've probably been lucky too. I mean, let's be honest. Well, we've been, we've, you know, that, that, that's kind of, that kind of plays into it a little bit, I think. I think that's, I think that's humility on your point. So, so it's fair to say almost that if prospects ask sort of the right questions, that gives you a little bit of a peek behind the curtain as to what makes them tick and allows oh, yeah. you to effectively evaluate their intangibles, uh, you know, more accurately. Is that, is that fair? Absolutely. I mean, and that's the, that's the, that's the beauty of it is, is now we've got this critical mass of kids that are really obsessed with winning a lot of games. 
And when a kid comes in and says, you guys have to lift or you have to, you know, you have morning runs or those types of things. And he's got this attitude about him. The red yeah. flag goes off in their, in their head, you know, before it comes to me and they'll be like, coach, he probably doesn't fit here. Just so you know, right. and they don't, you know, they won't, they won't say anything, you know, won't tell me exactly what happened, but sometimes a kid will tell you like, you know, what's important to them, you know, and, and that's our, our guys. I think they realize that they are as important, probably more important than we are in the recruiting process. Well, and that's, and that's invaluable, as you said, with, you know, fueling the trust between staff and players and players and staff. And over time, as you make these decisions, you know, you're recruiting not only, you know, as you said, good players, but, but most importantly, good people that you can trust their evaluation of other people and certainly knowing that that is going to continue to help you be successful as a program, which clearly you've done. That's incredible. Um, two kind of fun questions we're going to ask you. One, rules question. Are you in favor of the shot clock? And what do you think, if you are, what do you think that time should be? Um, I am in favor of it. Uh, nice. 100% in favor of it. You know, and you asked me this, you know, four or five years ago, my biggest fear was a lot of teams that, that were really athletic, I felt were holding the ball. And my biggest fear that it would, it would wake a, some sleeping giants out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be water skiing behind those guys when they're just going to the cage every time they, they touch the ball. So um, <laughs> now, now with the 30 second rule, the way it is now that the, the arbitrary, you know, putting it on saying it's, it's, uh, it's just brutal. I just, I can't even tell you, you go into games and you, you know, you got to, you ask the official, what's this, what's their philosophy on, on the 30 seconds. And, you know, for us, I feel like a lot of times the perception is that we, we hold the ball in, in the first half of the, of the quarterfinal game in 2013 against Syracuse. I think we had a bunch, we had a bunch of thirties in that first half and they didn't have any. And, I, and right. we were out shooting. We're out shooting these guys. Right. And I'm like, I, we, we might have, we might have like four or five. And they would just, they, they get out there, they'd see the Yale on the Jersey and be like, Oh, these kids got high SAT scores, and they put their arms up like 30 seconds. <laughs> right, you know right, I mean? right. right. <laughs> and, then, and then they see they see the orange on the other jerseys, and then they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. they're going to shoot it 100 times a game, right? No, you know, and this is the, this is when those guys were they were they were, you know, they were younger and they were they were great off ball, and they just they they churned the ball like crazy, and it was like I felt like they they gave them all the liberty in the world, and for us they just they just banged us right away, but. So I just can't stand that going into it. Um, so long story short, absolutely. Uh, the, the the time, I I don't know, maybe maybe 60 seconds from when you cross the midline, and then we we do it in practice. I kind of I kind of like the diminishing one, but that's that's never going to happen. Right. Six, what do you mean the diminishing one? We do it. We do a drill where we'll go. You know, we'll go 60 seconds from the point when you clear, and then we'll do like. You know, then the next one's 45 seconds, the next one's 30 seconds, and that makes for an interesting practice, to be honest with you. Um, wow, that's we, incredible. We do, we've, do, we've done, you know, we've done 60, then 30, and, you know, it just, I feel like 60, if you go from 90 from when you clear the ball or from when you get the ball, get possession, that's probably going to slow the game because you're going to get one shot, and then, you, then you're going to have a minute and a half after you get your first shot to do it again. So I feel like... The consideration needs to be for 
the second shot of the possession. What's acceptable for the second shot of the possession? And is that, you know, 45 seconds from when you touch it in the box to, you know, or 60, 60 seconds when you cross the midline means, once again, you've got 60 seconds for the second shot. So I, I don't I don't think that'll be pretty. Right, um, right. But I, I don't know for sure. The next one, rules, dive. Do you want the diver now? Yeah, you know, I've, I've uh, John Speck a couple of years ago said, why don't we draw a crease inside the crease? And then you can dive. So you've got like a, a crease where they go, where somebody could land, but it's not inside the, it's, it would be a circle that's only six feet in diameter. So you could, you could land in there if you wanted to. Or you would, you know, you didn't, that way you could have a dive and you wouldn't, you know, if he goes inside that crease on the dive, then, then there's your dive. If he doesn't land in there, then now you're going to get a little more acrobatic. I like that. Last question. Memorial Day weekend. Uh, are you still in favor with the semifinals and national championship being played on the same weekend? Um, you know, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, I guess if you move it, then you'd have to go Friday, Sunday, I guess. Is that, is that the, uh, that's what, that's what people are saying. If you did that, I'm not married to the Memorial day. I know it's, it's the tradition is, you know, it, it, that, that people are holding on to that, but, uh, with the conference tournaments and now the February lacrosse and all of that, it's, it, it feels like it feels like we'd be doing ourselves a, a big favor by moving everything back a couple weeks. So I, I, I don't know what that would do to ticket sales and, and all that stuff if we moved it two weeks and then you figured out, you know, playing three games on a weekend with a Friday, Sunday, I guess you couldn't do Saturday, Monday, or, or people would have to take time off work. Um, I do think that you lose a lot waiting a week from the semifinal to the final, but we've never done it before. so. Why not take a look at it? That's a, that's a great point. I like it. So, Andy, I got uh, one confession when we go. You know, obviously it's late. We uh, we know you guys got to uh, keep getting prepared. I just have a confession. You know, I got to say that, you know, during <laughs> my time at Dartmouth, you know, playing Yale and, you know, coming out pregame and, uh, you know, seeing the Yale players get so fired up, you know, in – their area sort of before they come out, whooping it up. You know, I, I, I couldn't help but feel like, you know, our team was, was, was like the Warriors in the movie, the Warriors, when they were being chased by the Portland <laughs> <Portland> Rangers. <laughs> in that come on. And they were wondering whether they should make the run to the subway or not. And they decided to go for it. Swan took off. And then Ajax left. And they all took off after it. Only to have the one Portland Rangers speed up in the bus and run up and, and chase them. And fortunately for the Warriors, they made it on the subway train before it took off uh, down to 14th Street. But I got to say that as a coach, I hated it. But as a fan, I love it. And I got to say even more that if I was a player and that was part of our pregame routine, that would make me fired up to go to war for my brothers. So I understand <laughs> you know, where it fits into the grand scheme, whether it's at your direction or not. And I know it's probably not. I will say not, that it is, uh, it's something that makes your team unique. And certainly it's going to be uh, a, a war on Sunday I'm, or on Saturday. I'm, I'm showing up with my eye black and my orange cones <laughs> in case people, you know, think that we're oh, going to be too are loud. They, uh, they're honoring your team at halftime, aren't they? 
that was back in the days of basic cable and rotary phone. Again, Andy, so that doesn't matter that much. But yes, they are. <laughs> we, were, we, were, we, were, we, were, we were one heck of a great regular season team. That's for sure. But when it came time, you know, when it came time to play in the playoffs, Andy, we ended up being a super bunch of nice kids. And we lost 16 to 13 in, in, to Maryland, obviously, can tell I've moved on from that. So, um, but listen, well, I, I wish you a ton of uh, continued success. You've done an incredible job there, and I hope you guys play your best game on Saturday, and we're looking forward to watching it. I Thanks appreciate so much, it, guys. Andy. Thank I you really very much. appreciate it, man. No, right, you're man. the best. We'll Good luck Thank Saturday. You. All right. Face Lacks cast is produced by Lacrosse All-Stars. Check us out on Twitter at InYourFaceLax. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and check us out on SoundCloud as well. Tune in in the future for future podcasts featuring guests, controversial topics, and of course, hashtag AskTowns. Thank you for the listen. I turn to you. You're all